Hey everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Off The Shelf. I hope as we come into spring your lives are becoming a bit brighter. Boris Johnson has announced we can leave home soon so we've got that to look forward to. My guest this week is Verity Babs. She is an art writer, independent curator and comic. She's an Oxford History of Art graduate and hosts Art Last on YouTube, a series of interviews with the UK's rising comedic stars about an artwork of their choice. She finds reading stressful and tends to only read non-fiction, dipping in and out of chapters rather than reading cover to cover. Here to defend herself and that outrageous statement is Verity. Hi Phoebe, thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. How are you doing this week? It's a lovely sunny Friday. Boris Johnson yeah. has announced the roadmap, so we're ready. The sun's come out in London. Um, I moved to London and then was very swiftly put into lockdown. So I feel like I'm in London for no reason, but at least it's um, it's looking pretty today. Yeah, exactly. So where are you from? Uh, I'm from Northampton in the Midlands. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, so I went to university in Birmingham, so I'm very familiar with going through it on a train. <laughs> It's one of the the seven uh, seven wonders of the, of the Midlands. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure it's lovely. So um, you've obviously come on to talk about your favourite books, but you've got a confession to make before we start. Okay, I don't like or tend to read. Now, um, obviously, all of my listeners have turned <laughs> off in disgust. But for those that are still here, yeah, explain a bit. Um, so my attitude to books is there. Are, there, are, I have books that I have started and not finished. Uh, when I do finish a book, I tend to read it like in, in in one go and absolutely love it. And then if someone asks me what it was about, I can't really tell you. Uh, and I think that maybe that comes from a place of a of not having a very long attention span. And I sort of feel bad about reading books because I haven't read all of the previous books. Like, you know, you probably wouldn't start a television series in the middle. I just feel like I need to start at like the Iliad and then move forwards. I feel like maybe there's a need to kind of collect them all. Um, that means that I do sort of feel like, why would I start with with any book that's not, you know, Wuthering Heights? I've actually read Wuthering Heights and it's very depressing, um, just to warn you about that. <laughs> so. You say that, and as I've referenced in the introduction, books aren't your thing, but art very much is. So it's not that you're not a cultured person, you just consume your culture differently. I'm very cultured, Phoebe. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my background is in, I work in the art industry and I'm a stand-up comedian. So really, you know, like and support the arts in general. And I guess maybe in an attention span thing, you know, I can't spend more than 20 minutes in a gallery either. Um, I don't tend to look at things for a very long time. I, I studied art history at Oxford between 2016 and 2019 and had to obviously read a lot of academic articles and academic books. But I suppose the good thing about that was there were specific chapters you had to read and then you would have finished it. There wasn't this idea of going cover to cover. Um, I mean, I did an English English A-level as well in, um, in literature. So I had to read books for that, but I'd find myself skipping pages to get to the bit where someone spoke or did something um we did um test of the d'urbervilles and i skipped a lot of um a lot of pages about the landscape just to get to the bit where someone would kiss or kill someone 
that's yeah I mean that's distressing you sound distressed Phoebe um no I'm not that distressed I understand not everyone you know loves books (laughs) as much as I do I'm probably a bit of an outlier in that sense but I find it really interesting what you say about how you're like a dip in dip out reader so actually you might read a whole book but you know you might read the chapters out of order and it will take you a long time and there's nothing wrong with that how people consume their books is their business yeah, I suppose most of the books that I own or buy, certainly since I've left university and probably since I was a teenager, have all been non-fiction books um, because I guess that I want I want to be made a better person by reading. Um, so, yeah, I've got books about, you know, how to um, how to promote your career better or how to, you know, uh, be more body positive. And whenever I'm feeling like my career is not going well or if ever I'm feeling down about my body, I'll probably read a bit of that book but that doesn't really matter if I haven't read it cover to cover. There's something about stories that sort of stresses me out. In a nice segue onto your first book. Uh, Mm. So what, tell us your first book and why you've chosen it. Uh, So the first book uh, that I've chosen is The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday, which was a present from my mother, Um, a couple of Christmases ago which again I got to about March and then stopped but I found (laughs) that basically this book every day there is a quotation from one of the famous Stoics and then Ryan Holiday has provided kind of a more vernacular uh, summary and, and, and written a small piece immediately afterwards and I found well I guess like everyone does you know it's the first three months of your of the year that everyone sticks to their resolutions and, 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 you know, eats well and goes on runs or whatever. But I found it really helpful every morning to read this piece of stoicism. Um, And I suppose that was a good thing for me in terms of the regularity of it. And even though I didn't complete it up until the point where I stopped, I was completing it as I went along. Maybe I've got too much of a, an emphasis on, uh, on achievement when reading <laughs> you know I want to I want to get all the all the you know a sticker at the end and um Ryan Holiday's book allowed me to get a sticker every day that I read read this piece of stoicism I would definitely give you a sticker but again this Thanks. kind of feeds into what you were saying about how you like to dip in and dip out you wouldn't necessarily sit down and, mm. and and read a book which I actually think is really interesting and you're right maybe it's about our attention span um and you've touched on you think it's you personally but it might be you know I'm always reading in the newspaper about how younger people have no attention span um and I'm not sure if I think that's true but I think we definitely don't deal well with delayed gratification we want to know we want to get to the end now we want to know what happens in the end and we want to know now yeah I mean I literally had this conversation with my partner yesterday was that as soon as I stop doing one thing I'm immediately fully engrossed in the next thing and that's great for like my career, but it means that I'm not great at holding that attention or kind of being relaxed enough to float from one thing to another. I mean, as soon as we finish a conversation, I'm immediately answering an email and very like very fully focused on that for a very short amount of time. I'm very much a, a sprinter, not a, not a marathon runner when it comes to attention. Maybe that's why millennials are getting so much so much shit done. Yeah, maybe that's why we're shattering glass ceilings all over the place. <laughs> Just very, very intense. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so on to your second book. What book have you chosen and why? Uh, so a book by my favourite author. I've chosen Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut. And I read a lot of Kurt Vonnegut when I was a teenager, a late teenager. 
and Slaughterhouse-Five was one of them. And if you ask me now to tell you what the plot of Slaughterhouse-Five is, I absolutely cannot tell you. But I do remember that I absolutely loved it. And this is exactly the same way as I feel about um, Catcher in the Rye. I mean, I read it in one sitting. I was absolutely uh, completely kind of entranced by it and read it in, in one go in a couple of hours. And within a month, I couldn't tell you what the book was about. But Kurt Vonnegut, I always found, had this really uh, relatable way of speaking. And I found it really appealing that he kind of saw through the cracks of society and and was making commentaries on them, but with characters that were flawed, but you but you liked. And, um, and that was really impactful for me, certainly. I remember reading um, a lot of his short stories. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd happily say he was my favourite author, but um, don't ask me to recount anything from any of the stories. Well, for our listeners who haven't heard of him, he was a very famous um, author. He was very prolific. As you say, he wrote books, he wrote short stories. And Slaughterhouse-Five is actually an, an anti-war book. And we're very uh, anti-spoiler on this podcast. So I won't tell you much more than that. But it's really interesting what you said about um, Catcher on the Rye. So I'm actually named after Catcher on the Rye. The main character's little sister is called Phoebe. Um, <laughs> and I didn't get around to reading it um, until I was in my early 20s. And again, now I actually sit down and think about it. I know broadly it's about, you know, teenage angst and maybe yeah. finding their place in the world. But in terms of exactly where even the character I'm named after pops up, I'm not sure I'd be able to tell you. Yeah, exactly. I think I guess um, Catching the Rye is one of those um, one of those books where the point kind of is that it's this long running sort of dream-esque series of events things happening one after another and maybe that's better for me than um than like I was saying Thomas Hardy where it's not things happening one thing after another it's a lot of talking about the countryside and I'm from the countryside so I don't need any more of that (laughs) (laughs) well uh, I appreciate your honesty there Um, (laughs) I feel like I'm being like an anti-guest you know (laughs) I don't I don't want to be um be a be a pain to you, Phoebe. <laughs> no, part of um, part of the reason I set up this podcast was I wanted to hear people's book recommendations, but not um, very brilliant, uh, very brilliant people. And there's nothing wrong with you know speaking to brilliant people and them recommending books, but there's a difference between someone recommending to me a brilliantly literary book or a friend recommending to me a book that they've read and they loved. So I'd like to hear mm. from people on this podcast who wouldn't necessarily be on a, a, a bookish podcast and they can give their recommendations for for things they enjoy but that being yeah. said your third book is actually a repeat on this podcast that has been chosen by someone else goodness so, so could you tell us what book you've chosen and why uh so my third book i've chosen a christmas carol by charles dickens um and Very famous book it must be said uh, yep granted and um Phoebe asked me whether I could choose a book with a with a, with a favorite character in, and I chose a Christmas Carol and, and picked Scrooge. And uh, I have read this a Christmas Carol. How you Carol. feel about books? You're a book Scrooge. Exactly. <laughs> I like book, books um short and uh, bitter, but um, I have read a Christmas Carol, but I have probably more times than your average person seen a Muppets Christmas Carol. Well, that is the best film in the whole world, so I can't which is the best, that. Which is the best film in the whole world. And I think the thing with The Christmas Carol is, I've said this before, not to you, but to other people, it makes it sound like I say this all the time, but if aliens 
said, give us one piece of literature, you know, per, per country or per kind of section of the world that you think really sums up, you know, humanity or your culture or, or yeah, what humans are like. I would say that sending them a DVD copy of A Muppet's Christmas Carol or obviously a copy of the book would be a good way to go. Um, and I think A Christmas Carol is brilliant. I love how Charles Dickens writes. Um, and my my area of kind of specialty when I was doing art history was um, uh, Victorian art. So it all kind of played in nicely culturally with each other. But I think that beyond the kind of obvious Christian theme of Christmas, it's really a book about redemption and about uh, life and uh, kind of jollity and having a, you know having a good time and I'm all all there for it and um, yeah I think it's a book that you can't kind of help going away feeling like people are good you know, humanity is good there is hope for for everyone and um, we live in bleak times Phoebe and I think that. Um, if if Michael Caine can change his ways, I know that we all can. I am listening to you. I'm just picturing some aliens watching a DVD of the Muppet Christmas Carol and then getting to Earth and wondering <laughs> people why people aren't dancing and singing all the time. Because I find wondering, yeah, wondering why no one's made a felt. <laughs> I find this. I watch other adaptions of Christmas Carol and they're not bad, but it gets ten minutes in and I'm like, why is no one singing yet? <laughs> well, the, have you seen the the Kelsey Grammer version of Christmas Carol? It's very good. The songs yeah, are banging. Uh, I was a big Frasier fan as a as a child and teenager. So um, Kelsey Grammer is an adaptation of A Christmas Carol. I can't remember whose adaptation it is, but um, but there is singing and dancing. I would recommend. Well, we're going off on a bit of a tangent now. I've never seen <laughs> Frasier. Everyone who knows me tells me I would love it. So should I watch it? What Frasier? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm not no sure. No other explanation needed. Just yeah, yes. Yes. I think uh, I watched it a lot as a, as a child because it was always shown on repeat on Channel 4, I think. But um, it's definitely one of those programmes where the attitude to women almost definitely doesn't hold up and has aged badly. But I think that... Um, I, I just think it's a lovely thing. Uh, and, and um, you know, invite me back next time when you want to talk about uh, our, our favourite 90s sitcoms. Well, I do feel the same when I watch Friends. I love Friends, but then there are bits I watch and I'm like, okay, yeah, that hasn't aged well. So I think it's common to a lot of, a lot of 90s sitcoms. Yeah. Grandma's from another time. You just have to let, let her enjoy the programme <laughs> she likes. Well, I do, feel, I do feel a bit old, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> so your fourth book is your all-time favourite book. Yeah. So I read this book for the first time when I was doing uh, English literature at A-level and because it was during the centenary of the First World War, one of our themes was in World War One literature. So I'd say that my all-time favourite book is All Quiet on the Western Front by Eric Maria Remarque. Um, and this book really, really stuck with me because I would uh, view myself as an avid pacifist and... Um, and reading this book is so interesting because obviously reading it translated into English and we, and we read a lot of books and there are, you know, a lot of books about World War One from the perspective of British soldiers and, you know, especially young British soldiers who have been, you know, taken from school and suddenly have to have to fight the Germans and, and, you know, they're going to lose their lives. And yet the, the people in charge are in cushy, uh, 
in cushy office jobs uh, back at back at home and things like that. But it's so interesting reading All Quiet on the Western Front because uh, obviously uh, Remark is a German writer and it's about German schoolboys who are who are essentially marched off to war and have their have their childhood stolen from them and and see their friends die and and this terrible terrible kind of crime committed against them and then you remember that that's exactly how everyone throughout history has always felt on either side of any battle i know that obviously in in england we're like we defeated the we defeated the germans but actually at the end of the day it's just people's uh, it's just people's sons who are who are kind of stolen away to fight in someone else's crime yeah i know exactly what you mean and actually this is a really famous um well i say book but actually i'd only ever heard of the film it's very was adapted into a very famous film and i think around the 30s or the 40s mm. and i know the phrase all quiet on the western front but i if you'd asked me to name the author i would have no idea so it's a very famous phrase it's a very famous film and i didn't really know much about the underlying book but you've touched there about this 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 probably ties into the themes of your English literature A level and the themes of the book are about although they're about war actually on a deeper level it's about trauma and suffering and 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 love of of people who are ripped away from their homes and sent off to do some some not very nice things. Yeah, I mean one of the things that I read as well during this A level, which was the first, was probably the last time that I was probably kind of I guess dedicated to reading was um. The play journey's end and again it's about these young boys who suddenly are having to be uh you know leading troops of other young boys into into death and uh i've always found that very moving but with a yeah with a definite definite bitterness of you know how can we allow these things to happen and yet we continue to allow these things to happen um yeah i think it's a uh, it's it's incredibly impactful this book yeah yeah, like I said, I've I've seen the film, but I don't know how much that bears a resemblance um, to the book. And it, but in the film, there are some some quite good uh, quotes or you know sound bites. Would you say that's true of the book? Yeah, I think the quotes probably stick with me more than like the entire plot of them. But there's lots of things about you know these men now becoming closer than lovers because you know they they've never experienced being with a woman and and but and yet the intimacy that they find in this brotherhood is is incredibly um like life-giving essentially it's the only thing they hold on to and and yeah a lot of a lot of good quotes in this that are that kind of do strike you to the to the core yeah I can imagine it's a book that you would read and just cry because you just think yeah now I read now I read and I see literature or, or films or even art about about World War One and I look at it and I think, okay, so these people are now potentially up to ten years younger than maybe even more than ten years younger than me. And I just think I'm not sure how I would have coped in that situation. Yeah, exactly. I remember being a teenager and obviously reading these and I couldn't really kind of comprehend that these people were the same age as me. And now that I'm in my early twenties, I'm like these children are being sent off to war and it's terrible i mean this feels like vastly <laughs> in contrast to a christmas carol where i was like yeah you read it and you really think the humanity is great whereas you read all quiet on the western front you think the humanity is dreadful so i'd recommend reading uh, all quiet on the rest western front first and then going to a christmas carol for a pick-me-up afterwards yeah that's a good system i like that and that could be yeah. you know, christmas themed reading i know it's february but christmas is a lovely time we prepare early <laughs> if you start now 
Yeah, you know, Scrooge says that he'll live live with the Christmas spirit all year round. You know, it's not just about Christmas. Uh, joy, joy is for is for every day, not just for Christmas. Just like a dog. Do you know what I am? I am not the smartest person in the world, and my tiny mind is blown about your point about Christmas Carol actually being about redemption on a deeper level. I'd never thought about it like that, but now you've said it, that's all I can think of. Yeah, I mean, t- you know, Scrooge. I know, I know we've probably totally is, gone yeah. out of order on this. <laughs> You know, Scrooge. Scrooge probably carries on, carries on uh, babysitting Tiny Tim way, way up, way into into January at least. So you I know, mean, I think he's he's changed forever. Yeah, he well, he probably gives up in the first week in February, like the rest of us. But his <laughs> <laughs> New Year's resolution. <laughs> exactly. So your fifth and final book. Please tell us what book you've chosen and why. Uh, so the prompt for this book was I'm um, thinking about a book that got me through a difficult time and uh, I read this book in 2019 and it's Getting Past Your Breakup by Susan J. Elliott and this was, again was probably might be the last time that I read a book cover to cover and I'd just gone through a breakup with my my university boyfriend and I needed to have something to kind of hold on to to grasp and the challenge of getting through this book and having this thing that I could go back to and was going to complete this thing and as a distraction, sorry, <coughs> as a distraction was um, was really, really very good for me um, to have, yeah, that as a, a thing to do. Because I know that when, when people go through breakups, maybe you'll do a, a massive movie marathon or, or some people go, you know what, I'm going to actually run a real marathon or, or whatever, you know, um, having something as a distraction is something to, a kind of... Um, buoyancy aid was very very helpful and getting past your breakup is a very good book because it also frames the breakup in a way that is um not your fault but also something that you can learn from and you know would you even want to have stayed in this relationship and and things like that and I find that yeah I found that book having that book as a project was really helpful for me during um during that breakup I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because people that go through breaks up in, breakups in lockdown, I just think, what do you do? You can't, you know, go out, get drunk and dance on a table. If you did it in your own home, it would just be tragic. Yeah, exactly. Another thing of, you know, the easiest way to get over someone is to get under someone else. It's like, well, you can't do that in a lockdown. <laughs> That's you? very illegal. I have to say, this podcast does not condone illegal activity. <laughs> illegal shagging. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, um, it was... I would, I would highly recommend this book for anyone who is going through a breakup because also it allow it, it does kind of teach you lessons. It's not just a book that kind of pats you on the back or or tells you that you're you're a queen. It, um, actually, you know, there are lessons from that book. I mean, obviously, and we from that, yeah, not- and from that relationship that kind of helped me with my, you know, set me up well for my next relationship. You know, obviously, we are both queens, but there are always new things to learn and new things to learn from art and new things to learn from books. That goes without saying, Phoebe. <laughs> exactly. So you've made it. We're through to the, <laughs> the quick fire questions. Now, regular okay. will know we normally have book themed, but as, a, as an art special, I've gone out and I've gazed up the questions to have some art, some art questions. <laughs> I really, really on. appreciate it. How <laughs> we go on this? This could be a terrible disaster. Um, so, question number one: uh, the Mona Lisa 
or girl with a pearl earring? Girl with a pearl earring. Any reason why? Because I've picked those as very famous portraits of women. Um, uh, I prefer the colours in the girl, girl with the pearl earring. I think I'd rather have the girl with the pearl earring in my house. And, and you know, Mo- Mona Lisa's... Um... <laughs> it's nice, but it's not for you. Nah, <laughs> overrated. <laughs> have you seen either of them in real life? <laughs> no. No, but I'm a firm believer in having opinions about art based on uh, gut feeling. So um, my gut feeling there was um, I prefer the blues in the girl with the pearl earring than the greens in the in the Mona Lisa. And that's my that's my final answer, Phoebe. <laughs> well, I have to say very famous adaption based on that painting. I'm not sure how historically correct it is. So next question, kind of linked, Da Vinci or Michelangelo? Oh, yeah. Can I say neither? Yes, of course. <laughs> I mean that uh, I found at university that I just really, really wasn't fussed about anything that happened after seventeen hundred. So uh, anything that happened before seventeen hundred. So um, I'm, I'm going to say Michelangelo for um, his sculptures. I thought Big you were going to say because you loved him on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's more <laughs> reasoning than I thought they'd be. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that David's a brilliant, uh, brilliant sculpture. And yeah, I'll say I'll say Michelangelo. It wasn't fair of me to to disregard Michelangelo straight out, but no, I'll, I'll say I'll say him because I think the sculptures are good. Good choice, good choice. So next, <laughs> and this actually reflects really badly on me because I wanted to give you three, uh, sorry, three, two female artists to choose from, and I realised I knew one, and I sat down to think of another one, and I was there like, well, this is embarrassing, Phoebe. You need to you need to sort this out. So <laughs> your choice is. Frida Kahlo, who is the one I've heard of, very famous lady, or Georgia O'Keeffe? Um, a, a good duo. And uh, I'll say... Uh, I'll say O'Keeffe. Um, because I think that um, there's a lot more to her work than has been read into it, because obviously, famously, people say you know, they're flowers, but they're meant to be vaginas. I'm not sure if they're meant to be vaginas. Uh, I don't think O'Keefe intended for many of them to be vaginas, but um, I, I think that there's more to be read into that. And um, Georgia O'Keefe is a queer woman as well. And there's lots to be read in, in there. Um, and I think Frida Kahlo, I love Frida Kahlo's work. I think there's um, you know, her work, her, her use of symbolism and stuff like that is absolutely amazing. And the small details you find in her work are great, but I just can't bear to see any more pencil cases with um, cartoon pictures of Frida Kahlo on. I just can't bear it. Yeah, I, I, I believe that. But like I said, my main issue in coming up with this question was the actually the lack of female artists that I'd heard of. Are there any mm. female artists you'd recommend listeners go and check out if that's their thing? Oh, um, in terms of art historical... I mean, uh, I've kind of put you on the spot there because there's a lot of female artists. I just don't know about them. Uh, art historical art, uh, female artists that are a good place to start would be people like Barbara Hepworth, um, uh, Morisot, um, obviously looking at people like Tracy Emin. But if you're interested in um, contemporary female artists, um, as a small plug, I'd recommend um, following my Instagram because I share lots of them all the time for, for people living and breathing who you can buy things off today um instagram is your best place to look yeah it is and the only art i own is is art that i um 
have seen on Instagram. And I do also mm. follow Verity, obviously. And um, an account that Verity also follows is, I mean, this is to be clear, this is not a plug. I paid full price for this because I liked it. Um, it's another account called Partnership Editions and they feature various artists. And I bought a piece mm. of art and I'm actually looking at it now. It's on my shelf by a lady called Chica Seal. And I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation. Of yeah, them. they're brilliant. Yeah, She's so I've great. got... I've got one on, on in a frame on the side looking at me. And I think I think you're right. People need to just see. Because initially I was like, well, I can't buy art. Where was I put it? But if you look on Instagram, there's ideas of where you can actually put it in your house. Yeah, it's great. And I think the thing is that people view buying art as something that is only for people who have lots and lots of money to spend on art. And nothing I own has cost me over 50 quid. But and yet, you know they bring me as much joy as something that would have cost me, you know, a grand, two grand or whatever. Uh, but, but yeah, I think um, adding to my list, I just had, had, a, had a couple of, a couple of moments to, to think about it, but I definitely also recommend checking out people like um, Whitney and uh, Harriet Powers and thinking about, um, it's, it's very easy to think about, you know, who are, who are the famous white women in art history? But the problem is lots of black women have been um, written out of, of art history as well. Um, so I'd, I'd recommend checking out Harriet Powers in particular. Okay, great. I hope that my listeners will go and check them out, and I certainly will. So <laughs> fourth quickfire question. Yeah. Which is turning out not to be very quickfire. But I'm very oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm very interested in your justification, because like I said to you before, art is not something that I particularly know that much about. I did art... I dropped it before GCSE. So I think the last time I did art, I was about 13. Mm. So it's not something I know a lot about. So next question, Van Gogh or Picasso? Van Gogh. Uh, I just have to ask for the listeners, do you have both of your ears? I do have both of my ears and I'm not a misogynist. So that's why I picked Van Gogh. Tick, tick, tick. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, last question. And you're probably going to be sick of these or think, oh, God, Phoebe, this could have been better. Um, so last question. Monet or Manet? Oh, uh, I, I thought about that one a lot. You can tell. Yeah, I, li- I like that a lot. Um, I'm going to say Monet. Um, but but with no offence intended to, to, to Manet. Um yeah, again, I would rather have a Monet in my house, but I, um, but Manet kind of, for a lot of people, is viewed as the man who started started it all for for contemporary art. So, um, just want to give a shout out <laughs> to Manet. <laughs> Completely understandable, right? That was the the new revamped art special. Quick, fire. I love it. <laughs> I love it. My listeners have uh, learned lots of female artists to go and check out. Yeah, and another section which it's my podcast so I'll do what I like I've asked you to recommend some good books about art to people who maybe want to go away and learn more or they don't know where to start so tell us which books you've chosen and why okay great so um books that I would recommend for complete novices I would recommend a world history of art which is produced by Fleming and Honor which is a massive book that is just essentially like um I guess a dictionary of of art so you, when someone mentions expressionism you can just flip through and be like okay what is that similarly styles schools and movements by Amy Dempsey sort of serves the same purpose um I'd also recommend anyone picking up a copy of the 20th century art book which is by Susanna Lawson that's a great little book about um it has great quality images and I found when I was doing art at school when you had to kind of write analysis about 
artists or find an artist that you wanted to kind of imitate their style or talk about. This is a brilliant introduction to kind of the key players in 20th century art. Um, and then I suppose for, for um, beyond novices or anyone who's interested, uh, Ways of Seeing by John Berger is an absolutely amazing uh, book of essays about how we look at things. We'll just completely recommend that. Uh, and for, I suppose, art world professionals, um, How to Write About Contemporary Art by Gilda Williams and Navigating the Art World, which has been produced by Delphian Gallery and How to, how to Navigate the, the Art World, Navigating the Art World, sorry, uh, is full of essays by uh, guest contributors about how to basically uh, navigate <laughs> navigate the art world as uh, as an artist or as a curator and it's full of really interesting tips if anyone works in that industry thanks for those recommendations now obviously you sent them to me in advance so I've gone away and, and done a bit of looking into it and one book of the ones you said that really stood out to me was ways of seeing by John Berger and mm. he actually was a very famous art critic but I didn't know ways of seeing actually won the the booker prize back in 1972 and it's mm. one i've actually ordered it's not it's not arrived yet because obviously i don't use amazon um support your local yeah. independent bookshop guys um so it is it is one that i'm actually looking forward to reading myself and hopefully it will get me into art because like i said it's not something i know much about yeah i mean it's very much seen as kind of one of the the pillars of uh i guess modern art history academia and um and yeah, it's, it's, it is absolutely brilliant. And um, actually, I've recently received a copy of um, Ways of Curating, which is by Hans Oberist, um, which, you know, that yeah, it just goes to show that Ways of Seeing by Berger was so, and continues to be so influential on how we write about art. Interesting, interesting. Like I said, I haven't read it yet, but I hope it will it will broaden my horizons. Oh, there's a there's a one <laughs> sorry, one last one. They've they've recently re-released Linda Nocklin's Why Have There Been No Great Women Artists? Um because it's 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 50 years since the, they released the first essay. I think it's Thames and Hudson have released it. There's a new there's a new edition. Uh Why Have There Been No Great Women Artists? And it's an amazing essay about why basically we've never made space for women. There have been no great women artists because we haven't ever made space for them to to do so. And that's a really interesting read. So for someone who doesn't like books, you sure can recommend a lot of great art books. I recommend a lot of uh, a lot of art books that essentially you can dip in and out of <laughs> I think that's that's your style and there's nothing wrong with that if you consume your your books that way then fine I'm not here to shame anyone for how they can they can consume their their books I, I appreciate it I appreciate it Phoebe thank you I have to say and this is just just a final point before before I let you go I say I say I don't know much about art but the latest piece of art I'm thinking about buying and this is through no reason other than I was in a bar in London and I saw it on the wall and I thought I really like that and it's by um a lady called Sarah Maple who I you may have heard of I don't know and it's uh it's kind of a white background in black writing it says the opposite to a feminist is an asshole and I think that'd be great on my wall yes <laughs> Sarah Maple's brilliant she's um no she's uh she's brilliant has a lot a lot to say about uh, how women are treated in society and uh and yeah, would, would highly recommend. She's brilliant. Great. Thanks so much for coming on, Verity. I really appreciated it, even if books aren't your thing. I hope that listeners will take away your recommendations, not only for art, but also for great art books and go and learn something this week and hopefully into the future. 
Thank you so much for having me, Phoebe. It's been uh, wonderful to sh- to to admit my my secret shame. <laughs> I'm glad you felt this was a safe space. And if, no, I readers, did. if readers, I wish they were readers. If listeners have enjoyed hearing from you, where can they find you? You referenced your Instagram before. Uh, yep. So my Instagram is at Verity Babs Art, and you can find all of my writing and videos I do. I interview comedians about their favorite work of art on YouTube. That's called Art Laughs. And you can see all of my writing on uh, www.veritybabs.com. And um, yeah, for someone who someone who calls themselves a writer, um, not reading is a is an interesting one. <laughs> I I think you're, you're a closet reader, and we could convert you yet because you seem to <laughs> you seem to have a lot of book recommendations. They just need to either be short books or have short clear chapters that you can dip in and out we'll convert you yet don't worry they, they either need to be self-help or about world war one those are my <laughs> those are my requests okay right i'll make a note of that um, and obviously <laughs> the links to where listeners can find you will be down in the show notes thank you so much for coming on verity have a lovely day thank you so much phoebe